you darken your hair again? Like more? No, I took a shower. It's wet. Oh, okay. That makes sense. The dark parts look darker. I'm like, it looks even darker than the dark it's parts. wet. I didn't know it was wet. I showered. Congratulations. Thanks. It's good that you know how to do that. Well, oh. could be worse. Could be spiraling on Facebook. Or spiraling in school. So much drama and stuff going on the beginning of the school year. There is so much drama and just sports going on on TikTok. Listen. That's right. Yeah. All I have to say is in this house, we ride for the Queen of the North. That's all I got to say. Speaking that of is, the Queen of the North. That is my stance. I, I know we haven't really talked about anything and you're going to get mad at me, but that was perfect. Speaking of the Queen of the North, this book that we read this week is like if you mashed up Game of Thrones. Well, I, not even Game of Thrones, but like a Game of Thrones fan that read too much Ice Planet Barbarians and wanted to make their own version. I'm that's, here for it. I call book. it Desert Planet Barbarians. Game of Barbarians. Of, of, of the Dracaris. Dude, I kept Dracaris. calling off. I was thinking of the, oh my God. Dothraki? Uh, yeah. That's what I was yeah. thinking of the whole time. I'm like, Dothraki. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Me too. But every time all I could think of is, I think it's because back when we actually had ringtones and stuff and we wanted our phones to make noises, it would say Dracaris like every time. It was, it was fantastic. You know, when we would pay for ringtones and- <laughs> Really showing our age. That wasn't that long ago. The difference between this book and Ice Planet Barbarians, so, there was way more food in this. I'm going to say this as a PSA that if you are hesitant to jump into- an alien romance, Captive of the Horde King by Zoe Draven Draven. Maybe Crystal can find out. Um, it is actually a great book to dive into for a first alien romance because the aliens aren't super alien and the climate and the atmosphere and the food and everything is not super foreign. And it's a really good book to dip your toes into the alien romance world because it's like alien romance light. It was really good. I really enjoyed I, it. I enjoyed I it. Know. And I don't know if I, it's because I had read the Ice Planet Barbarians the night before. So or I think happened, that would be bro. one of my only possible issues. It feels to me like somebody really 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 enjoyed ice planet barbarians and wanted to create their own i'm not it's not an exact replica absolutely not no it has its own story it has its own drama which loves some drama when it's not got to do with me but i just feel like it gives that ice planet barbarian vibes and i so did that oh but you know it works for me so i'm okay so captive of the horde king uh features luna and Arokin. Arokin? Arokin. Girl, there's a lot of names in here that I cannot pronounce. But this is your one-time thing that we are going to tell you that we are going to do the best we can. We butcher shit. You can let us know, but it'll be already done by then. So we're sorry. It is what it is. We'll try better next time. Yeah, Luna and Arokin, the Vorakar. There's a lot of terms in here, baby, and this is going to get real rough. You're welcome. Welcome to our Butchering the Names podcast, where we fuck every single one of these up. We're going to take you on a journey. I can't with you. To learn names.
watch as we butcher. We need to take Ariel on the journey of being on task. I can't tell you how old they are because we went through this whole book and we did not learn how old they are. So that really actually bugged me. Use your imagination. Yeah. We do know that Luna has a younger brother, Devon, and he is five years younger than her. So we start this journey to the Horde King with a prologue where Kavan is doing an experiment and he is trying to make the soil in their settlement more harvestable to be able to grow crops. So he heard from another settlement through the grapevine that if you burned the ground, that it would replenish the soil and be able to use new. So he tried it, even though their laws are very, very strict, that you cannot disrespect the earth or the soil, any of their nature in any way, absolutely no fire. But he took that chance to try to feed his settlement because they are starving. The humans all live in these little encampments that are maintained by the government and they are given government rations of food and it keeps getting dwindled down and they're all starving. So he takes a chance and is trying to do this. But of course, the burnt field creates smoke. And when there's smoke, the Dakari are going to come. And so everyone is panicking because when the Dakari come, shit's going to happen. Heads are going to roll. So all the humans are very afraid of the Dakari. They are very swift in their punishments. They have been known to be brutal. They have been known to be very strict. But the thing is, is that they have their set laws. If you break them, there are consequences. And the consequences are known. Most of the time, it's not that difficult to know what to expect from them because it is what it is. They're just the enforcers for the the planet's like capital city. But all the women in the little village are afraid, the encampment, the settlement, whatever you want to call it. They're all afraid because one time years ago on one of the Takari's visits, one of the women were taken with them and they never saw her again. So since then, they have been cloaking themselves and kind of hiding themselves every time they come. So Luna, our female main character, when... Everyone kind of starts kind of scattering and getting ready for the Dakari because they can hear them coming. She cloaks up and is ready, but she also knows she needs to protect her brother because when they come, her brother's going to take the fall and he's not going to survive because that's going to be the punishment. So when they come, she bravely steps up to the Dakari that come and she sees that not only had the Dakari come, but the Horde King himself. So each set of Dakari has a Horde King that leads them, but they don't always travel with them. So the fact that he came was a big, scarier deal. And she came before him and offered herself up in place of her brother. Like, kill me, take me, whatever you're going to do. I'm the one who did this. I'm the one who needs punished. I did this alone. And 
at her voice and at her bravery, the Horde King, the Vorkar, kind of cuts her robe open to see her face and see her and decides that he will take her with him. So she is taken. She has agreed. She says, you know, make, are you sure you're going to come? Like you agree to be uh, mine, to do whatever. Yes, 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 yes. Everybody, blah, blah, blah. And off they go. On the journey. My God. So on the journey they go, but to take the journey, they have to aboard the pierogies, pierogies, pierogies. They're kind of like this book's version of horses. That's what I went with my brain. I mean, they're different than horses in Do you in, in theory. Know, for me, my brain, I didn't think of horses. Oh. To me, in my brain, they reminded me of a black version with the red eyes of a hippogriff from Harry Potter. Okay. Okay. But they didn't have wings. But yeah. I'm just saying that's what I thought yeah. the whole time. Okay. I just took all the characteristics that they described about them and put them on a horse. That's what my brain did. Mine put them on a hippogriff, so here we are. <laughs> here we are! Okay. I sang a lot at school today. That's what I do. It's fun. Anyways. So, Luna is very scared riding pierogies, pierogies, whatever, however we're pronouncing those, because we find out that one killed her mother. And not only does she have to get on one to start her journey but then they have to ride for days to get there and uh, or what feels like days to her and she rides 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 so much that she gets sores you know because she's never ridden before so they get back to the dakari encampment and everything's all cool beans there and she gets to check out their little tenty thing and uh, they have beds there they have blankets there. It's literally have- just like, okay, think Ice Planet Barbarians and the complete opposite of what they have. Well, I'm saying it because she's not used to it in her well, yeah. life, in her yeah. settlement. So to her, it's like an amazing new world that she's like, oh my yeah. God, like, holy shit. No, they have beds, they have blankets, they have meat there. And like there's feels- like this opulence that she's like, she feels, but she also feels so guilty and angry. And she goes, I don't want to do any of this. Cause like, um, kind of, but not yet. At first she's just in awe because this, she's just coming to the encampment, but eventually yes, but she's just arriving. So she's just basking in this opulence that she has not had in her life. I mean, they have the bare bones at her settlement. They are barely surviving. And she's just in awe and she kind of just like, there's a bed there and she's just, holy shit. And then all of a sudden a bath is brought in and that is just like, again, holy shit, because they're lucky if they get to bathe once a week in their settlement because water is a commodity water is something that needs to be preserved they don't have these resources they can't be wasteful and all of a sudden a bath is brought in and there's these women that are forcing her and bathing her and then the water is obviously dirty because she hasn't bathed in four days and she's like i don't need to bathe it's been only been four days blah blah blah. and the water gets dirty and they have the bath brought out and a new one brought in and she's just her mind is just 
exploding and she felt like the waist well that's what i was gonna say she just feels it so absolutely wasteful because again she doesn't have access to all this stuff and water is so sparse where she is so she just she's getting mad and she goes it's so wasteful i i don't even think it's mad at this point it's more of just what the like holy shit like in awe because it's more like i don't understand like why do they have so much when we have so little and it's more confusion at first she's kind of stunned right now like she's just brought into this place and she's just like what the fuck so the bath gets done up again what the fuck is happening right and then well you're not clean bitch do you see how dirty this water is it's still gross you still need to be bathed right well she had her two baths and she's all good but then it gets done up again because the vorkar needs to have his bath and so because he comes in and starts disrobing and everything and she's like what the fuck just so you're aware my whole thought process about what this man looks like i understand he's on the cover of the book cool boy cool Mm -hmm. my brain pictured him as this like human snake dragon hybrid oh i don't know no that's not what i said at all I have like snaky vibes in there though because he's his eyeballs. Okay. Okay. The reason why I say this is a good dip in because he is 90% like human looking except he has a tail and yeah, those weird eyes. And except and he's huge. Yeah, he is. <laughs> she <laughs> learns that in this she learns that in this scene. I mean, and, <laughs> and she's he's like like babe me. I know, and she's kind of like I, I don't want to look or find him attractive, but like, I kind of do and I'm also kind of really mad at myself. She was, like, really mad that he, like, turned around a lot. It was really funny. Throughout, like, most of this book. Until she finally just gives up. <laughs> Is that what happens in real life? Uh, so. <laughs> Sometimes the vagina wants what your brain should not have. I've made a lot of poor decisions, Ariel. I wish my brain made those kind of poor decisions. Sometimes. I mean, okay, my vagina okay. wishes my brain made those kind of poor decisions sometimes. Yeah. Anyways. I made enough of them for the both of us. <laughs> Anyway, so he he gets into the bath and he tells her she needs to bathe him like the women bathed her. And I mean, she did agree that she was there and she's nervous as fuck because she's like, dude, I just signed up to be whatever to you and you're just having me bathe you. But now she's like, oh, where's this going? Kind of thing like shit. Fuck, fuck. He talks to her a little bit and like she's nervous and bathing him and kind of gets, I think, brave enough to ask him like, you know. I, I thought you'd just take me on the floor when you came in kind of thing. And he's like, is that what you want? He's like, because like, like, he's like, because that's what I want. <laughs> that sounds great to me. I had a couple comments about a couple things. Like, I'm like, I'm really fucked up because he's kind of nice to her, but also kind of not. And it was kind of. I don't hard. think he wasn't nice to her. Was, I think what it is is because he's more grumpy. And he's more, like, aggressive in what he wants. Versus, like, again... I think he just has his... No, I know. Set. I'm aware. And he's yeah, a little more aggressive. Or... And I was kind of like, I kind of vibe with that a little. Yeah. I have a lot of um, fucked up problems, man. And she kind of was like, well, that's kind of my job as your whore kind of thing. That's what you paid for in this bargain. And he basically <laughs> spells up to her, like, no, no, no. You're not my whore. 
you're my queen. You're here to be my queen. And she's kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah, he took great offense to that horror comment. Mm. He's taking care of her in a very demanding way, but it's also, like, nice. Like, okay, hear me out. Please, I'm so sorry for this in advance. It gives me, you will eat dinner and you will like it. It gives me Beauty and the Beast vibes of when he's trying to get her to eat dinner and she goes, no. And he's like, fine, you can start. It, it gives me that vibe. Go ahead. <laughs> but he does care and he really does want her to eat, you know. Yeah, that's that's coming. I'm just saying, this gave yeah, me that yeah. vibes. I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> it's almost, yeah. So when she sees the parochies in their pen, she sees their troughs overflowing with fresh meat. And meat is something that they have not had in years, never mind fresh meat. Like she thinks she can think back many years ago when they once had jerky. So she's like, what the fuck? That's when she starts to get irritated. And that's when she starts, like she can kind of understand the opulence on one level with the Dakari, but then when she sees the parochies getting treated better and fed better than humans so when she wakes up the next day two women come into their little tent there's a name for their tent i just didn't write i don't know but i just know that i love these two women with my entire life marari and lobby come in and the real mvps of this story they come in and she's like what the fuck is going on kind of thing and she realizes and she's like well you know my name's luna who the hell are you kind of thing and they explain to her what's going on, that they are her peakies. Basically, they're her helpers. They're, they're the queens. Like um, right hand. They'll do whatever. Yeah, they're her queen's maids kind of thing, almost. Yeah. But be, like better status wise, but yes. So Marari can speak the language with her. Lavi gets bits and pieces, but she explains to her the significance of names to the Dakari and how your name is something that is sacred to only you. And if you choose to share it with someone, it is like the greatest honor kind of thing. And Luna kind of realized she, she kind of fucked up when she was, what's your name kind of thing? Luna. And like kind of demanded yeah. her and, and told her to, them to call. Cause they were like, no, 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 we can't call you Luna. We can't call you Luna. Like they were like freaking out. And she can call them their names because they're lower status, <clears throat> but the higher status right. you are, it's not right. But she should not have asked. Yeah. She doesn't know. She's just a lowly human man. Right. But that's why I said Marari is just give her the download. Which is why she's the MVP of this book. Right. They also brought in food and clothes for her. And the tray of food that they brought in for her was insane. There was like five different things for her to eat including fresh meat and that's when she was like no fucking way nope absolutely fucking not she's like i'm I'm not hungry i'm not eating that and then they tried to start dressing her and the takari wear very different clothes than she does and not only that but they have a lot of clothes at their disposal whereas Luna has only had like two outfits for the last 10 years mm-hmm. and she had to make them herself. So she's really, she's not having a easy time, no, but adapting. She's, so 
She's refusing to eat, refusing to eat, refusing to eat. She also didn't put on the the salve that they brought for her, her thigh rub, basically. Her rub, yeah, rub. like uh, her, yeah, her brash that she's got going from the the parochie. And because the Vorkar had made a mention that he was not going to get intimate with her because he wasn't going to hurt her more because she was already hurting. Mm-hmm. He's going to wait till that healed. So she's like, she's going to extend that out as long as possible, buddy. Right. And uh, so, of course, they're Dakari and they don't really know her that well. And they, your ultimate boss is the Vorkar. So they told him that she's refusing to eat. He not happy. He not that. happy. He not happy. He be oh, I like no. how we happy. Both did it. Bro, we're on something today. <laughs> so he starts like wrestling with her, trying to shove food in her mouth. She's giving as good as she's getting, but it's kind of getting him a little hot. Yeah. So then he's like, fine, fine. We'll do this then. You must be fine then. Because you, you didn't want the stuff. You didn't want this, you know. We're, we're good to do this now. Let's go. And he starts messing around with her a little bit. And then her stomach growled loudly. Okay, so I wrote a comment about this part too. I Because I said he may be wanting to take her, but when he saw her tears and heard her stomach, he just stopped. And I was like, I know. My son. Dude, I. And half the tears were because she wanted turned, it and she was like she what wanted the fuck? him to keep going and they're like tears of and she was so confused and she was so confused because she doesn't like want it and, she, and it was just so funny because i just i sat there like he's doing all this she's stuff. like my body's betraying me listen let your body betray you baby it's okay dude but the fact that he stopped because her stomach rumbled i was like oh. and then i realized that the bar is on the floor really though <laughs> yeah I, I right. Another, I have really. another comment. I, I I wrote saved by the growl. Not a sexy growl either. No. Have you ever seen the men on TikTok tr- attempting and it's so awkward and hilarious on purpose? So she was left bereft and she's like so confused because she kind of wanted it and then he stopped and he, she's like what the fuck and now he's kind of just turning cold shoulder on her. And yeah. Literally he stops even trying. Right. And so she's trying to just conversate with him instead and she asks him his name and he is like only one other person in this whole place knows my name and i'll tell it to you on one condition and so they make a bargain to know his name and she agrees to eat the next morning but she says she's only going to eat the broth because that is something that they actually have in her settlement and he says fine but it's the portion i give you and you have to eat the whole thing she says fine Got this man. And so he tells her his name is Arokin, but she cannot say it around anyone other than him because big, big rules. So she upholds her under the deal. And of course, he gives her like the biggest bowl of freaking broth in the world. And oh, she's great. stuffed to the gills because she barely ever eats. So, like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. The next day, she is to be presented to the horde. And she's trying, she's really trying. These outfits are crazy. They're yeah. very revealing outfits for her for her taste. They barely cover anything and then that's kind of it. But he, she needs to be presented to the horde kind of like a quasi engagement party uh, with no party. <laughs> this was just basically like, look, here's my woman. Here's my hot new woman. And she had to 
be paraded down like the main street of the the settlement without the shame bell it was not shame 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 there was no no shame it was it was hello it's me hello i have the shortest skirt in the world i'm human you won't like me so uncomfortable with it too Mm -hmm. yeah anyways so she was presented everyone oohed and odd not really but you know and she's left to her own devices because Arokin leaves every day. He has responsibilities. He has duties. He's the leader. He's the king. And so she asks her peeps, Marari and Lavi, to gather materials so that she can make her own clothes because that was her job in the last place. So they're kind of nervous about it because she's not supposed to really have weapons, but they do it. So she makes herself a pair of pants and a full top, not just a chest piece. <laughs> And she's more comfortable. Mm-hmm. However, she has that fine line of now people feel like she's disrespecting their culture. Yeah, she can't win. But while she's making the new clothes, Morari and Lavi have to stay with her. And she learns the deets. She learns about the village. She learns about the Dakari. She learns about like their lifestyle and how they do things around there. And she's starting to realize how important things are to the Dakari, how important it is for them to take care of their land and give back. And she learns about the different settlements and the different things that people do and their jobs to take care of things. She learns all kinds of cool stuff. And she also learns a little bit about what's to come for her big black moon ceremony. I forgot what they called it, but it's upon the black moon. But so then comes the ceremony to unite them as the queen and king. This is where she gets her nipples painted gold. Okay. Because part of the ceremony afterwards, he has to taste the gold in his mouth. It's a whole thing. Because they have a real thing about gold, man. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like gold do. tastes very good, though. No, but it's, he has to adjust it. It's a whole thing. I understand. I'm just saying. It's why a couldn't sacrifice it been, to take why his Why couldn't bride? they have made it as chocolate or something? I don't know. Paint your nipples in chocolate and that have wouldn't have been that much of a sacrifice, now would it? Okay, that's fair. It would have been delicious. So he has his little marriage ceremony to her. Yay, happy day. And then they have the claiming. So he gets his big swinging thing and does the thing. And we learn that somebody was like, ooh, Ice Planet Barbarians, let's get it an upgrade because they have that little, okay, little so nozzle on the top there. And it vibrates. <laughs> okay, so here's the other thing. The other note that I have here, and all I wrote was, a, it vibrates in big ass letters. But then I said, a tail keeping her in place, and then his hand on her throat. Why am I wasting? Oh, my I time? loved the tail. Hold action. on, I'm like, why am I wasting my time with foolish human men? Because he's utilizing both. He's like, oh, I loved the utilization of the tail. Me too. I that it wasn't that. just there to be there. Like he used it mm-hmm. for things with her, like a lot. Mm-hmm. But like to mm-hmm. hold that bitch in place. I was waiting for him to spank her with it or something. I, I mean. That would have been really great. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I sidetracked. <laughs> but I did. I was like, why am I dealing with these foolish men? Foolish human men. Give me. Anyways. Continue. So <laughs> part of the Black Moon ceremony before she was claimed, they had to eat what was offered to them by the village. And part of that was fresh meat. And he knew that was going to be very difficult because she made it very clear she was only going to eat what was available in their village. So to get her to do this, he's told her he would send three, so Bavari, but I'm assuming that's like animals to their planet. He said he would send three of those beasts fresh to their settlement 
in exchange for that. She's like, Which well, I, I love that. But then she's like, well, what's the point of sending them? Like, we don't know how to do anything there. And he goes, I will. Do- he's like, I will send someone to teach them how to dry, dry them it. out. So for Turkey, mm-hmm. for Turkey, <laughs> for Jerky. But listen, he did that too. And I was like, oh, it's so cute. So because Luna is now the queen, she is the Marakai. So to note that and showcase that she needs the proper gold markings of the Dakari to show her status. So they are brought to, I guess, the local tattoo artist to get her markings tattooed in gold around her wrist and also the markings of his family line. And this woman, Hukan, knows Arokan's name. So clearly she is some kind of family member to him or something. And she realizes that that is the one person that knows his name other than her in the village. And at the end, she's very upset about this whole thing. She's very upset that she's getting the marking. She's getting very upset that she's getting the family line. But Arokan is like, absolutely not. Like, you will do what you need to do. You will do what you're supposed to do. And she's so snarky to her, like the whole time. She's, she's basically, nice. she's very clear that she says, you do not belong with him. You are not. You're not one of no. us. So all I had on that was fuck that Hukon bitch. Fuck her. She kind of does well standing up for herself. Yeah. And takes it. A bitch though. I didn't like her. So she's cool. She's settling into her role pretty well, but she feels like just sitting around doing nothing, waiting to Paul pregnant is not something that she's going to do every day. She's like, I need something to do. I need a job. Like, dude, give me a job. And he's like, fine. I've noticed you have an aversion to the pierogies. Go work with them. Every time you say their name, I it sounds like pierogies. And so mm. all I'm thinking of is pierogies. So maybe I should say pierogies. Nope, it's pi- fine. You can just keep going. Pierogies. It's fine. Let them sound like pierogies. Rogies. Rogies are delicious. Anyways, sorry. We're a mess today. <laughs> what are you doing? So she is. Yes. Oh my God. We broke her. All words literally just flew <laughs> out of my brain. I like literally lost everything. She wanted to I get had... a job. And he said, since you have the aversion, you are no, going to work uh, with them. I know where I was going with that, but literally my brain went blank. Like, I couldn't grasp any words to go next. I knew what, what I needed. I just, nothing. I think I've seen this hey. film before and I didn't like the ending. It we ends in death. Tree. <laughs> we passed that tree. So she is petrified to work with the pierogies. I'm sorry. Anyway, yes, she's petrified to work with she's the pierogies. She's petrified to work with the pierogies. Once she was afraid, she was petrified. But she grew strong oh, and she learned how to get along. And now we're back. From outer space. From outer space. So she doesn't even get to work in the parochial pen yet because there's a huge shout of alarm that goes up all around the place because a Girton scout and not a Girton pickle, like you might expect with all the kittens in this book. Listen, there's not no Girton, Girton, there's no Girtons in this, I'm telling you right now. The Girtons are so <laughs> tiny. There may be a tiny little gherkin above the big one. There has been a Girton <laughs> Scout found on the outskirts of their encampment. 
And that's bad news. And she finds out about the curtains. She finds out about the curtains. So these vile, vile, vile race of creatures are like the sworn enemies kind of thing of the Dakari. They just want to <laughs> pillage and 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 murder and destroy and take and take over everything. <laughs> they destroy everything they come into contact with. And they're trying to take over the whole thing and not in a I take over the world kind of way. They just want to destroy, destroy, destroy. Listen. So the da- I, can't, I can't say it. The Dakari are, they try their best to find them and take them out and not to eat. Like it's, in the way. Listen, listen, that's what happened when you, what happens when you have little gherkin energy. That happens when you have little gherkin energy. <laughs> no energy. That's why everyone with little gherkins are so angry. Yeah, they have because they can't, they can't do any destruction of anything. It's not big enough. So, God. then Arokin tells Luna they captured this dude, and they're going to have a trial for him. And she must be present as the Morkari. It's her duty to be there and be present. Mm-hmm. Great, absolutely fabulous. But he uses the word trial to her, so she thinks that it's a trial. It is That's not, not a trial. Spoiler! <laughs> Spoiler alert! It's not a trial. It's not a trial. It's just a murder. It's an execution. It is. Oh, so execution style. Curtain style. We need to get our shit together. Um, anyways, so he's sitting there pleading his case, like I'll never do this. Blah 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 blah. And she's like, "Wait, wait!" and interrupts the execution because she has sympathy for all that he's pleading, but she doesn't know. The past between them. She didn't even know these creatures existed until five minutes ago. And basically she publicly humiliates the Vorakar and does not know that his whole family was killed because his father did the same thing and let his pleas go and let him go. And then they all came back and knew the location and killed all their people. And so he was not going to make that mistake. And he sliced off his head. To be fair, she didn't know the history. Yeah. And she said the same thing. Dude, if you had given me any information or told me up front that it was just an execution, Burton style, then I would have been able to know. You just told me it was a trial. Bitch. Communication is not his strong suit. Absolutely. So, it's time for on-the-job training. Yes, it is. Because of her interruption. Back it up. Back it up, Mustaf. The Gurton was able to get free enough a little bit to scratch and hurt the guard that was holding him and wounds him. And that's when Arokin cuts off his head. So because of her mistake, not only did she embarrass the Vorkar, but now one of her horde is now injured because of her. So she's upset. But now... There was a scout nearby. Their clan can't be too, too far away. So the Vorkar and his squad pack up and go try to find any trace of them. So she doesn't even really get to make up with him or anything like that. She's just left yeah. with all this. So the next day, with nothing to do or whatever, she starts her job with the parochies. And she's got to start somewhere. So she's the new shit shoveler. She shovels the shit 
She shovels the shit. She cleans the pen and she shuffles the shit. And she does a fabulous job of it and doesn't complain. Um, people see her doing her great job and, you know, doing her thing. And Hukon pays her a visit while Arokan is not around because he's off on his journey. So Hukon thinks that she has this, you know, ability to do that. And she makes her an offer. She goes, I can get you back to your settlement. No questions asked. I can do that for you. And Luna's like, yeah, no, I'm good. Like, I accepted my place here. Like, mm-hmm. I made this trade. Like, I don't go back on my deal. Like, I'm here. And Hukon is not happy about that. But that's what happens. So then she goes and visits the warrior who got hurt in the Girton catastrophe which is not something that is very normal for the Dakar to do. She goes and apologizes. Yeah. And he goes, you don't have and, to apologize because um, you are. Like, like you are the. You're the queen. The you queen. don't have to apologize right. to me. And she goes, yeah, I do. It's literally my fault. I made a mistake. Right. <clears throat> Please forgive me. And they're all pretty impressed with that. And he's kind of helps her. If you bring this special fruit from the market to the guy who runs the parochial pen, you'll get in better graces with him. You probably won't have to shovel shit all day kind of thing. And she's like, dude, thanks. Good looking out. And so that works. And she gets bumped up. But almost at her detriment because now she's like, oh, close and personal with the parochies. And she's grooming them, which is her nightmare. Which, But her horde king comes back, sees this, sees her. But can see that she's still afraid. And they have a talk. And she explains to him what happened with her mom. Why she's so afraid. And he kind of gives her a little more insight about the parochies. And why that would have happened. That her mom must have stumbled into a nest. And they were just protecting their babies. Because that's the only way they would have attacked. And so she also learned while he was gone from Marari that all of the Dakari are trained because the Gurton scared her and it's not just the men that are trained all of them are trained so she asks Arokan to train her like dude I'm here let me step up so he starts training her and it's quite a little foreplay for them but she really puts in the work she puts in weeks and weeks of training with him and she can feel her body getting stronger she's eating now she's putting on weight she's actively training she's really acclimating um, and really integrating herself into the horde because she's there and she's starting to feel like <clears throat> especially where the soldier gave her some hints and a lot of people are being nice to her and they are trying to help her and they are giving her a little bit of grace for adjusting and everything so it, she is starting to feel more at home with everybody yes and less like an outsider and more like they want her there Mm -hmm. every night after they train because training is quite the foreplay for them Mm -hmm. she expects things to kind of go somewhere because you know it revs them all up and he bathes them afterwards and is very touchy-feely but he always stops every time And it's quite frustrating for her. She can't understand this. And we have to remember that she came to him completely unaware of 
anything sexually. Like mm-hmm. she was not knowledgeable in any way. In her settlement, she was literally just trying to survive. She had no time to even think about anything in that manner. So him stopping, she just doesn't understand. She's like, you know, did I do something? He doesn't want me anymore. Like he doesn't understand what's up. So then she kind of gets the courage to ask her Peaky about it. And they're like, no, yeah, he should be like basically attacking you every single time. But then she's like, well, do you show him you're interested? And she goes, well, what do you mean? So Marari helps her and kind of talks through, well, you need to actually let him know you like what he's doing or he's not going to know that you like it. If you just sit there and do nothing, he's going to think you don't like it. And she's like, fuck. And she's worked herself up thinking that the Dakari are such sexual creatures that he must be getting it somewhere else if he's not getting it with me. Yeah. So she follows him to this meeting that they go to one night that him and his guys and she hears a female voice in there and she thinks he just met someone to do it with or whatever and she like barges into the meeting and it's so embarrassing and she kind of breaks down and freaks out and explains it all to him and obviously he explains back that that's not true and that he just didn't think she was interested, which has been slowly destroying his soul. So now they're all happy and humping like bunnies. And so now they're training and humping like bunnies. And the training is quite the foreplay for them to hump like bunnies and have the vibrating times and all that jazz. And she learns that the Dakari are nomadic mm-hmm. um, creatures and they move with the seasons. So they're food source that they're used to in that area is starting to dry up so that it's time for them to move on. So Orokin has sent out a scout to find them a new location. So that's what they do while they're waiting for the scout to come back is they're doing lots and lots of weeks of training and weeks of fucking having a good time, having Having a good good time. time. So that's all well and good. At the same time, she's like, crap, we're going to leave this area near my brother, near my only family. Before we leave this area, can we see him and say goodbye before we move on? And he's kind of like, I can't spare those men and those resources because they weren't able to find the Girton clan when they sent the people out to get them when they came back. Mm -hmm. So they're very worried about the Girton clan people coming back yeah, and they don't want to separate them any more than they need to. And she understands disappointed, but understands. Yeah. So then all of a sudden there are rioters coming back. She is like, Oh, it's the scouts coming back. Okay. They found our new camp. Great. It's time to pack up. But that's not who it is. It's her brother. And this is a man is just so much better. Aroken sent men out to go retrieve her brother from the settlement with an offer for him to join his Dakari. I mean, 
Kavan was a little quit though at first because I mean, he, well, he thinks his sister's been like held captive this whole time and is miserable this whole time. So he's like, "What the fuck? Let me get you out of here," kind of thing. And she's like, "No, no, 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 no. Everything's good. Like everything's good. She can stay here. I'm, like it's all good." And he's still really skeptical, mm. but his sisters, his, his peeps, and he trusts her and he's like, okay, for you, I will stay. So he decides to say just in time because then the real scouts do come back and they need to pack up camp and mosey on out to the east side, to a deluxe apartment in the sky, except to a new encampment in the vines. Okay. So they need to take this multi-multi-day journey to their new encampment. And they have to ride the prokies. Good thing she's been working on them and working through her fear. And she's become understanding of them now. And she's created bonds with a lot of them. And she's doing really well on them. And they go on their journey. She's not feeling great, though. And she's kind of been sick a little bit on the journey. And she's not feeling that great. And then she sees a Girton Scout in the woods on the journey. She mentions it too, and she's freaking out. And but no one else sees it, so she's like, "I swear to God, it's there." Like, like I promise you, I I saw it. I promise promise you, you." but he believes her. Well, duh, because he's great, and because he's fantastically awesome sauce. And so they finally, after days and days, arrive at their new camp, and Marari has seen her be sick for these multi days and is like dude we need to get you to the healer and she's like no i don't want to worry aroken she's like no i need to at least test your urine like you need to pee in this cup and she's marveled at the the new fandangled way to test for these things and yep sure enough she's a preggers she's a pregnant so aroken is ecstatic they are thrilled she's happy he's happy they are happy everyone's do you want to know who's not happy just kidding she doesn't know yet fuck that bitch so she's working with the parokis and having a good time and she even sees hukan coming out of this viney woody area that they have in their new encampment and she's trying to make nice with her Hukan is, and she's like, I just found this fruit that we can only get in this area. I'm going to make you this special, special stuff, and I'll bring some to you. And she brings some to her, and she's trying to, like, make fresh, and Luna's like, awesome, this new, new place, new vibes, like, she's accepting me. This is awesome sauce. So, and then the next day, Hukan wants to go get some more fruit, and she's like, I need to make some for the whole village now. But I don't have enough hands to carry it all. Can you come help me? I'm totally trustworthy. I literally wrote, I do not trust this bitch. She's being too it nice. Was, it was literally like when you watch a horror movie and you're like, don't go in the door. <laughs> that was her going in the woods. So she went in the woods because she's a, I'm assuming she's a white bitch. I didn't really say, but just like horror movies, you know, that's just typically what happens. They go in the door. They're not that bright when it comes to the shit, apparently. Yo. That wasn't very kosher, but it's true. <laughs> Why are they always the dumb ones in the moves? Probably it's real life. I don't know. Anyways. So, for, for Crystal's benefit. Hold on. Oh, 
Dude, what was I was a gonna trap? Say, shock. Ah, uh, I shouldn't have trusted that bitch anyways, and I'm glad I didn't because she sucks. Karen was working with the gardens. Oh, oh my god. What a total face. It's just because she doesn't think that she belongs, so she goes, nah. She's trying to get rid of her. Here. Mm-hmm. But of course, the Gertens can't be trusted, so they kill the guards. And she's like, you weren't supposed to kill the guards. Hello? Who did you think you were teaming up with, you fucking idiot? Slimy. You're lucky you left alive. Really. So, we learn. We'll see you next Tuesday. (laughs) Not really. We don't have an episode on Tuesday. But you can come join us anyways. So, we learn that the scout that was beheaded at the trial slash execution was the king of the Gertens' son. So they want retribution from the Vorkar. So that is a perfect opportunity to them. So they're taking his queen. So they kidnap her and take her away. Well, they punch her lights out first so that she's knocked out. Bye! Now she's the Gerten prisoner. And so she wakes up and her wrists are tied, her ankles are tied. And she's not doing awesome. And it's not in the fun the way. Fuck out. No. Tired in the way. This book didn't have that kind of fun tying. Even with the tail action. No. It's kind of disappointing in that aspect. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But she wakes up. The Gertons are all kind of mad. They can't like fully have their fun with her because the king wants her. But they can rough her up. So they do. And they brand her in their Gerton symbol. Now... The wording in this part was not great. It took until the next time she woke up after she passed out for me to be 100% confident where they branded her. I didn't know where they branded her either. Yeah. Because I was like... It, was it in her arm? Yeah, sure. It was her shoulder. The only reason we know that is because she said her shoulder fucking burned when she woke up um, from the burn. It was really vague. It was fucky. But there's also a part earlier in the book that was kind of fucky too where they were like... After the first night when they had already been there over two nights, and it was, yeah. it was weird. There's a couple things that should have been caught by, like, maybe a beta reader or something, but, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So they brand her, blah de blah Now, she's been training with Oroken, and she's been learning how to get herself out of situations the best way she can, because she's not a skilled man fighter who has this brute strength like the Dakari does. So she's she's had to, she's had to use her smarts and she's had to kind of use her little bit of trickery. And she's learned that fighting Arokan, who does not take it easy on her, thankfully, because, you know, they've been actually sparring well. So she uses that to her benefit. And while the Gurton think that she's no threat to them in any way, so they are sitting there drinking their asses off around the campfire, having a good time, having a good time, because they've captured, they have the upper hand, they're going to come back and have the spoils of their king for being these heroes, and happy days all around. The second one in a row, ready? Happy days. <laughs> so Luna, she makes eye contact with the closest one, and gets him all like, Oh, fine. I don't fucking care. My king, I'm drunk enough. So I have to pee. I have to pee. I have to pee. You can hold it. Well, then I'm going to smell like pee the whole time. Like I'm going to go in my pants. Make it quick. And she really plays up the shuffling of her feet. Like 
that, that it's so difficult to walk and she's so helpless and I can't get my pants. You're going to need to help me with my pants. And so sure enough, he takes out his blade to cut her pants open and he's stumbling and swaying drunk and she takes the blade, which I don't know how she did with her hands tied, but he's dead. So then she slices open her feet and she runs. And this part, while she runs, they make a big deal about saying how she's pumping her arms while she <laughs> so runs. Just, I don't know. Maybe some while of her, her arms wrists are... are tied together because then later she cuts her wrists open. I don't know, dude. I'm just saying. I know. Just saying. I don't know. So she was not having a good time. So obviously... The Girton die in and alerted the other ones, and they come and are running. So now they're on the chase. So she realizes, you know, there's four of them left, and that the odds are not in her favor because this is not the, the Hunger Games. The odds are not ever in her favor. May the odds be ever in your favor. And she did not offer herself up as tribute. And so I realized that that reference also is being outdated because people don't know what it means anymore when I like do the stuff. They can go fuck themselves. It makes me real sad, right? Mm-hmm. So she finds a hiding spot just big enough for her and takes a rock and sails it so that they go off in their other direction. And just as that happens, she can hear the parochial feet in the distance and she just she can hear the dakari cries in the distance and she is just thank goodness he has come for me my king has come day my prince will come so oh, anywho you can hear him get two of them and you can hear the Gertin cries and she's like yeah and she climbs out of her hiding spot and books it to where those Gertin cries are coming from she's intercepted by the leader of those five Gertins the one who is in charge the big man in charge Mm -hmm. large and in charge and he's like dude I know what my fate is I'm taking you out with me like I am I'm gonna make him hurt for this so Luna puts up a good fight and she's hollering her pants off, even though they're busted open. So she doesn't really have any pants. She's got pants. They're just busted open a little. Thankfully, she was wearing her pants and not the Dakari pants because their Dakari pants aren't really pants. It was a skirt. The Dakari thing is a skirt. Yeah. So thankfully, she was wearing her own pants. So can hears her cries and comes just in time. Take out the leader. Sorry. This is not cars. Life is not a highway. It's like a Disney Pixar. I don't know what the fuck is happening. Laugh the Horde King. She wants to Oh my god. So yay, happy days. She's like, dude, there were five. I took out one. You just took out two plus one. That makes four. There's one more. So he sends his peeps to go take out the last dude. Bada bing, bada boom. Happy days. Once again, we're going back to the encampment. So, cool beans. Now everything has come to light about Hukon. And now it's time. 
for her ruling. What was once in the dark has now been brought to light. That is the only piece of wisdom I bring to you. was. You see that over there? That is dark. We do not go over there. Where the sun does not touch. <laughs> so sorry. The shadowy. This is not Lion King. Everything the light touches. But what about that shadowy place? We do not go there. Anyways, continue. That's that's Hukan. Anyway, so Arokan has learned bitch. his lesson, though. And has given Luna all the information prior to this public display. So she knows everything that's going to happen. And she knows that according to the Takari customs, that betraying a member like that is not a death sentence. Well, kind of, but they're basically banished from their horde. They're sent out on their own to live. So... It just is, it is what it is. Those are their rules. Those are their laws. It doesn't matter who you are. It is what it is. So goodbye, Hukan. Though she learns on the way out that Luna is preggers and she didn't lose the baby. And that she not only tried to break up her nephew's marriage, but she almost killed like her bloodline, mm-hmm. which was. Not so, yeah. So that's the end of the book. And then we had an epilogue, which is two months later. Which was basically, honestly, it wasn't even really that much about our book. It was basically just a glorified hint at the next book and who the next person in the next book would be. So, cool beans. I'll probably read the next book. So, cool beans. There was a bonus epilogue. It was in Oroken's point of view in theory, but it was third person. They switched it up to third person for Oroken which was super weird and it was super duper short and almost pointless. It was basically just saying, Oh, look, there's my baby. We don't have a name for her. Cause names are important. I love her so much. It was said in like eight pages. Sounds like- that was literally the whole thing. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. So that was the Horde King book, man. I honestly, I, I dug it. I liked I dug it. it. I and not in a hole. I liked it a lot. It had some problems in its execution, like writing style wise, but as a whole, it was a nice story. Like I said, it was great for someone who is hesitant to dip their feet in the ice planet, in the alien world. Yeah. And it is a great segue to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who's your favorite character? I really enjoyed Marari. I really liked Luna as a character, but I also liked Arokin. Marari was great. I would say Marari and Arokan were probably my top. Same Z's listen, Arokan, man. Least favorite. Hukan is mine. I don't give a shit. I don't care that she's supposed to be I was gonna say, I, 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 I was gonna say, I, I feel like that's that really place. the only choice is Hukan, because that's how she was built. I, I also that. wasn't super a fan of the brother. Anyways, yeah. What did Amazon rate it? Am- so, okay. Amazon rates it a 4.4 and Goodreads is a 4.0. That's not bad. What'd you rate it? A 4.0. A 4. A 4. A 4.0. <laughs> I was just going to leave it on her. I was going to say 4.0. And I don't know what was happening. Got <laughs> the points from all the. A 4. I also rated it a 4.0. I also rated it a 4. Four stars. Guys, except that's eight when I do two hands. Four stars for the Horde King. And I they also like super glossed over the fact that he has more digits on his hands and toes. Yeah. 
I don't know. Like it was mentioned like one time and then never again. Yeah, okay. It was weird. I wish they spent a little more time. I enjoyed it. Some, some this was great. I was yeah. happy to be yeah. in this world and this was great. So what for my own curiosity, when I'm was, just uh, oh, so this book, I, if you're going to ask me exactly what I think you're going to ask me, I looked it up prior to this. Ice Planet Barbarians came out in 2015. This book came out in Thank 2019. You. I knew you were going to ask Thank me you. and I looked it up. Thank so you. yes. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank I knew you. that was going to happen. I did Thank it you. as we were talking in the beginning about it. And I was like, Thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> You're How many cucumbers you got? Honestly, like, I don't know. Seven or eight. It was good. Ooh. I'm going to give it five cucumbers um, <laughs> because there was some stuff in it. I loved the tail action. I loved the vibrating action. I wish we did some more stuff with the tail. I wish some of the scenes were a little detailed a little more. And I honestly wish we had a little bit more scenes because of all that tail and vibrating action. So I'm going to give it a five, which is a lot better than we've had lately. Oh my God. I know, right? So I'm going to give it a five. Cucumbers. Dude, that tail thing got me. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Gonna wheel moving on to our book for next week for your pleasure. Hopefully a pleasure. Hopefully. I mean, you never know. You never know. And we're going to spin it right after you. Screen just came up large and said, Cock Hungry Horace trying to share her screen. <laughs> like in giant letters. <laughs> or starting to share her screen Betty? or something like that. <laughs> was like, what do we got? Hey. There are so exciting that's one of my friends do you want to read the description sure so there are no saints by sophie lark cole blackwell values control he's the hottest sculpture yeah he's a sculptor sculpture (laughs) he's the he's the hottest sculptor in san francisco wealthy successful and respected his only weakness is the dark impulse he carefully conceals Mara Eldritch is a nobody. Broke and damaged, she works three jobs while creating paintings no one will ever see. A chance encounter throws Mara and Cole's path. When Mara escapes what appears to be certain death, Cole is intrigued. He starts stalking her. Oh, no, your favorite. Realizing there's more to the struggling misfit than he ever would have guessed, Cole becomes obsessed with Mara, breaking the rules that keep his true nature hidden. Mara knows he's dangerous but Cole is the only person who's ever recognized her talent. Cole is teaching Mara to get what she wants. What does he want in return? Okay. So the notes on it says that she's always been fascinated by true crime, as well as villains and antiheroes. The serial killer is, of course, the ultimate antihero, the baddest of bad boys. Redeeming a character who starts so evil was a challenge that inspired me to entirely new heights and entirely new depths. Come on this dark, sensual, and utterly brain-bending ride with me. That on was it. the author note for this one. I'm okay one. with this. Yeah, so, so. yeah this, is, this is a steamy serial killer romance. So Why not? So hoot, hoot. Listen, listen next week, folks. And we had this like fluffy alien we yeah. book to, to go in between our dark books. Cool beans. Well, that was fun. Maybe there'll be something vibrating in this next one. Who knows? Read know. along. 